You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt redeems Elder. himself. <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. Oh, oh, the oh, it is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Hi, diddly ho, soccer roonies. You are listening to the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of Minneapolis City SC. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, John Bizworm. John, it's the fall that never ends, it seems like, but uh, high school and collegiate soccer seasons are, in fact, coming to an end. They're wrapping up statewide, and that means a lot of work for you, a lot of tape to look at. Are you ready for the busy season? In the Bizworm tape room. Yeah, I mean, film. I, I, yeah, the film room has been. The film room is essentially my garage these days, and I have a projector set up in there, and I got some some radiant heaters in there. Uh, so I, I got a nice little indoor indoor cool. We'll call it cool weather set up to watch some soccer. I, I mean, I've watched um, most notably in the past probably three, four weeks, really starting to dive into watching some stuff. Um, you know, as, as Minneapolis City has, has uh, materialized over the years, the, the relationships that I've, I've been lucky enough to make with some of the college and high school coaches in the area have, have, you know, fostered to a point where I'm doing less of the recruiting and more of the uh, just a quick catch-up phone call and or I'm responding back to people telling me, hey, look at this guy, look at that guy, instead of me having to do a lot of the digging. But it's yeah. still a lot of soccer to watch, and I love it. Uh, so, it, like you said, it, this becomes my busy time until we hit play on game day, and then we're up in the booth together just having a great old time. So it's uh, it's it's part one of my season starts, starts right now. It's pretty exciting. Well, speaking of exciting, this week's show is all about the future. We are joined, <clears throat> excuse me, by the architect and leader of the Minneapolis City Futures Program, Mr. Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, but first, John, you have some updates from overseas on our old friend Steve. That's former Minneapolis City midfielder Ian Smith, uh, who recently signed with a club in uh, up with Opsal in the second. Yeah, in, Nor in Norway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's, here's the story. And, and this is ultimately going to obviously need us to bring Steve back on from uh, a remote pod <laughs> uh, from across, across the sea. Um, so he signed with Opsal. Uh, I'm sure if anyone listening follows, follows Twitter, you know, we, we made the announcement, um, you know, he left um, to go uh, over to Norway, got an opportunity to trial with Opsal. 
um, ultimately made after his two week trial, made, made, made the club, um, came on midway through the season. So he wasn't, um, able to like start the full season with them. Um, but they are going to bring him back for next year. Um, their season is over now. Um, so he only was able to feature, uh, potentially feature in, I believe it was six games and he started three of the six games that, and, and got some significant minutes in the other game. Oh, that's great. Start. So, so really doing well over there. It's like I said, we're going to have to bring him on, but there was a, uh, an international scandal, Nate, involving what? scandal uh, involving in Norway. A scandal in Norway involving our old friend Steve. So here's how it goes. I get I get a text message early one morning with from Steve that says, You're not gonna believe this. And that's all it said. And I was like, I you know, I I roll out of bed, I look at him like, oh my god, what what are you in jail? What happened? Um, and he, he sends me a link to an article in Norwegian. So I had to, <laughs> I had to roll that through the old Google translate, but here's what happened. So going into the last game of their season, they had, they were playing against, they, they were safe from relegation. They were playing against a team that had a very high profile manager and that team needed to win in order to stay up. And the manager of that team is none other than Norwegian international legend and Liverpool legend, John Arnorisa. So are you familiar with John Arnorisa? No. <laughs> so John Arnorisa, left-footed, left-back, wing-back, played for Liverpool, uh, won the Champions League with Liverpool. I believe scored probably one of the hardest-hit soccer balls ever on the planet with that sweet left foot. But this ginger bitch is apparently coaching now in Norway. And he is a, he is like a, like he is a, a a Norwegian soccer icon. So he's coaching this team. It's not going well. Not every manager happens to, um, to have the, the luxury of translating on field success to being a manager. Not everyone is your guy, Oli. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even want to get into that, but um, yeah, yeah. You either have your Arsene Wenger's who never played, at a, I mean, played, but weren't that great, or your Jurgen Klopp's. Um, but for every one of those guys, or Mourinho or a Pep, those guys didn't have that great of careers. But anyways, yeah. I digress. Um, sure. So anyways, this legend is getting his first managerial opportunity in and and it's not going well for him so up pops our 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 guy steve who on that game day was penciled in as a starter um there was a new member of the of of the club i believe more so from the youth ranks that was brought into uh, to Opsal with the intention, a local kid who was with the intention of potentially ne- looking forward down the future to selling this player to a higher level. So the manager made the decision and talked to to Ian about it, that there's a chance that you're in the team sheet, but I may, act, because it's the last game, this might be the only opportunity to have him feature. Um, you know, I'm, I, I may, I may start this guy. So no more than two hours before game time, the decision was made that Steve would be put on the bench and this guy would start. The manager and the support staff never gave the game day sheet with the update to the match officials and started this other kid over Ian. So what that ended up materializing into was the fact that Ian was supposed to start and this kid did instead. It looks like shady business. And this guy who's a national icon ends up 
losing that match and ultimately getting fired and like is a total disgrace now in in the country because he oh, can't man- he, he can't manage a team because so, he can't he can't lead a second lead division a div- team right. from relegation okay right so dude gets fired so ultimately then the backlash the backlash starts like shady stuff happened now you're involving an american into the equation because he was the one that happened to be on the sheet and then didn't start and was on the bench. So Ian sends me this article from like essentially like the ESPN of Norway that's like front page news. And he's now wrapped up in this international soccer scandal where like, and like in there it's like American um, and they call him Ian Matthew Smith. They think that his last name is Matthew Smith hyphen. Because that's his middle name. <laughs> so so it's like, or and then they abbreviated as Matthew Smith uh, when they're talking about him. So this, so Steve is literally wrapped up in this whole thing. And all he had to play in this was that he was supposed to start and then some other kid took his job. So, he, so they're was, asking him, like, did you have any, <laughs> are you an insider into this scandal? Into this, yeah. into this conspiracy to, to make a fool out of our national icon? Yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily, like, you know, like, the TMZ version in Norway isn't, like, stalking him, but he's he's wrapped up in this whole thing, and he's like, all I want to do, man, is just, like, play in Europe, and now I got to <laughs> deal with this. So we'll have to get the full the full story of it, but I, I, I had to bring that to the table today to, to talk through that with you because it's almost unbelievable until, you, like, you get the article. And I think what we'll have to do is I'll uh, – I'll I'll send the article to you when you post this, so, so yeah. the folks can read can read about it. But it's pretty damn funny because you know it, it all started with you know a, a five thirty a.m. text like you're not going to believe what happened, <laughs> you know. So, um, anyways, you know we got plenty of stuff to talk about, so let, let's get after it. And Steve, just please stay out of jail. That's super fun. I'm glad he's having a great time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Front page news. Ian, <laughs> Ian Matthew hyphen <laughs> Smith. Just a shade under 365 days ago, we had the pleasure to bring on our guest this week for the first time as we kicked off in detail one of our club's new 2021 initiatives, and we are talking about the Minneapolis City Futures Program. After, in my opinion, and and what I'm hearing is an opinion shared by others, a very successful first year. So we are pleased to welcome head coach, the mastermind, the architect, of the futures program, Jeremiah Johnson. JJ, welcome back, my friend. I think I know this answer, but how have you been and what's new? Hey guys, uh, happy to be back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really busy, um, uh, getting ready for the, the next season of the, of the futures. So yeah, and uh, yeah, just to just to make sure you guys know I'm wearing my football stadium prints t-shirt for Edor Nelson Field. Yes. So I gotta make sure I get the plug in for the sponsor. Sponsor love. <laughs> I mean, did you hear? Did you listen last week? What a what an incredible guy! Um, I loved it um, because I think the Scottish accent is brilliant. Um, <laughs> so I, I yeah, I, I actually listened to the rest of it the, the, this morning. But yeah, the Scottish accent, I love it. I I had an assistant um, who was Scottish uh, for a while, and oftentimes I would just give him my coaching points at halftime. So I could just hear him um, <laughs> just give all the coaching points and the adjustments at halftime to the squad because it just sounded way cooler coming from him than it did for me. So it does. They use all sorts of like 
slang that we've never even heard of before just like words that sound like swears but make no sense yeah <laughs> right i mean hey everybody's got a hedge right yeah <laughs> and, you, and you have to listen to them really 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 closely because sometimes you know you might miss a word here and there so you have to you have to really focus so yeah <laughs> i don't know there's something exactly. to that well jj um you know you've been on the show you're like like john said you've been on the show before we're wrapping or just about to start year two of the futures having wrapped year one this summer uh, but there might be some people that are, that are not familiar with the program not familiar with you as a coach so why don't you tell us a little bit about your soccer coaching background um how you got to be involved with minneapolis city and then really high level like what is the futures program sure um so i got started coaching um when I was playing with uh, Bangu FC way back in the day, um, before it ultimately merged with a club called Wings and became Minnesota Thunder Academy, um, yeah, there was a little startup called uh, Bangu FC. And so, uh, you know, I kind of got my coaching itch there. Um, and then I went away, uh, played uh, Division One college soccer in uh, at a small school in Georgia called Mercer University. Um, and then when I would come back for the for the summers, uh, I would coach camps often. Um, Greg Thompson's All-American camp. Um, and then I got hurt uh, while I was playing in college, basically a career-ending type injury. Um, and then I came back uh, home to Minnesota from Georgia, and I got involved coaching uh, with a high school program at Rosemont High School there. Um, ended up transferring out to uh, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Um, uh, I... <laughs> Funny enough, blue actually, golds. Yes, blue golds. Golds. funny enough, I actually went out there initially um, on a recruiting trip to kick for their football team. Um, <laughs> and then while I was there, um, you know, I, after I arrived on campus, I'm like, you know what, this isn't for me. I was still dealing with the injury and I still am today, uh, but I ended up joining um, what was a club soccer program out there at the time, but they were really good. Um, a lot of just really brilliant players that just happened to go to school at a place like Eau Claire that didn't have a the Division three program that they have now. Um, so I, I played with them um, a little bit, trying to still deal with the injury. But once it became, you know, kind of too much to handle, then I ended up um, kind of becoming the coach of the that program and then ultimately the president of the club. So running all the back office operations that need to happen with something like that, uh, that type of an organization, um, as well as coaching. So that's kind of how I got kind of got into coaching. And then after I graduated, I went off and um, became a, a, a information technology consultant, started a few different companies, and then kind of came back to the game after um, through a process of having a life coach and and this life coach basically told me to get back in the game because there was a void there in my life. And then uh, after that, I, I started taking my, <laughs> my, my coaching licenses, kind of getting my badges done because it, it, that's now a, an important thing. That's a part of the game that wasn't there when I, I first started kind of coaching in my twenties. Um, and so, yeah, after that, I, I got hooked up with Lakeville North High connection there uh one of the players i used to coach was the head coach at lakeville north uh he brought me on as an assistant um uh, i i program uh at lakeville north as an assistant for three years 
And then after that, I became the head coach of the girls program. Uh, we made four consecutive trips to the state tournament, uh, lost three times um, in the final four in a shootout, um, and then took a year off. Um, and then uh, the boys program actually called up again and asked, hey, do you want to come back and uh, work with the boys program again? You can basically be the lead trainer. Um, and so it, that's worked out really nice. Uh, I've, been, I've been an assistant at, at Lakeville North of the boys for the last three years now, uh, 11 total years at, at Lakeville North. Um, but the last three, it's been really cool. He's, he's basically given me the reins to kind of set up the team and train the team how I want to train the team. And he manages the program. So it's been a nice, uh, nice partnership there. And then you know, also coached at all uh, several different youth clubs um, in the area. Um, everything from Minnesota Thunder Academy to Salvo to, or what was Dakota Rev at the time. Um, and then uh, Lakeville Soccer Club as well. So, you know, kind of, kind of running the, the whole gamut of You've uh, been around the spectrum. Yeah, I've, I've been around and I've, I've, it, what's cool is, um, you know, you, over time you kind of develop um, a different perspective uh, on the game. So when I was playing um, competitively, um, my focus was, you know, how can I always get to the next level? How can I always get to the next level? But then the older that I get um, and I have a different perspective now, even with kids who've kind of played sports and, and whatnot, um, that it's, it's, more about, it's more about the memories that you make um, along the way and the relationships that you build with, with people. So any one of my players will always tell you that I've, I've got this term. It's, it's about making magical memories. And the only way to make a magical memory is if you do something remarkable um, with people that have a shared passion that you do. And, and that's what we can get out of this game. That's why we work so hard. You know, that magical memory can be winning a trophy or it can be, you know, having a fun, cool experience, something that happened on the bus or for you tens, it can be, you know, getting ice cream after, you know, a tie game or a loss. I guess it doesn't even really matter, but you know, that that's why we ultimately play this game is for those magical memories. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the perspective has changed greatly over time and I've met, you know, just an, an incredible number of people that, uh, you know, that, and those memories are, are ones that I'll, I'll have for a lifetime. Uh, so how did you get involved with, with Minneapolis city? I think, you know, from, I remember from your story last year, you said that, um, you know, you've been a member from the beginning along with yours truly. Um, but really it was, you started thinking about like, how can, what, what do you have to offer this, this club that, that you see doing such amazing things around town? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess behind the scenes, I've been, a huge follower of lower level soccer and um, you know, all of the, you know, all of the things that kind of go on behind the scene in us soccer and uh, you know, our lack of an open pyramid um, and, you know, we don't have promotion relegation. So all the challenges that go along with that. And then when Minneapolis city kind of the idea came out and I think I first saw it on Twitter, like in 2015, Big shocker. Um, That's where everything yeah. starts. <laughs> yeah. If, well, I it, I should get the Scottish guy to say it because he says Twitter a lot cooler than I do. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So I ended up joining as one of those founding members of Minneapolis City. And I don't even remember how many there were. Do you, John? 
I I think there was probably like maybe five to ten. But oh, really? <laughs> in hindsight, looking back, what a steal! What is no kidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. I think I think it was like five hundred bucks or something like no, that. No, it was it was three fifty. Was it? That was that it? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it was three fifty. Um, yeah, and the number of Minneapolis city scarves I've got, you know, kind of pasted around my house of it's probably worth well in advance of 350 bucks at this point yeah. <laughs> right yeah like i said what a steal yeah so it i so i was like all right i'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and so i started following the team i was at the first ever game which was at the uh the the barnyard um, yes and i i think i actually texted dan um after the game and it's and my my level of disappointment with the field that they had chosen oh yeah uh, that was yeah, yeah. Man, if, you, think, if you if you only knew what went into getting just that, <laughs> it was a it was a nightmare just to get a bad field. No, I, I, the more and more I've I've worked behind the scenes at Minneapolis City, I can only imagine what it was like to get something up and running <laughs> back then. But yeah, so um, yeah, just to get back on track there. So after a few years, and you guys were bouncing bouncing around between uh, like Osseo and a few different locations and then it kind of seemed like you guys were solidified at Augsburg which is closer to where I am um in in Lakeville and at that point I was taking a I was about to take a break from um coaching uh the, at the high school level I was kind of I I'd resigned from the girls uh high school job and I wanted another project and it was about that same time that the U19 vote had come out and I voted yes. And then I also followed up with the club and I followed up with Adam Pribble um, and said, yeah, I'd, if, if this comes to fruition, I'd absolutely be interested in, in doing something like this. So I, he's like, yeah, you know, send me your resume and did all that stuff. We had many conversations over the course, uh, had coffee with Matt. And then they kind of brought me on as, uh, as, a, as kind of a staff coach. Um, and then one of the assistants for the first team had, uh, had to depart. Um, so they're like, do you want to join us as the second assistant, um, for the first team in 2019 and, and help us with the preparation as we go into the U S open cup. And, and then, oh, so I think we, we had just beaten like, uh, we had a scrimmage against like a, uh, we had a Shattuck side and then a, uh, Minnesota Thunder Academy, like U19 development Academy side. And I think we beat mm -hmm. them like 10 to zero or something like that. Um, and then as we walked off that field, nobody really knew that that was going to be the last time we were going to see each other because COVID hit and everything pretty much got shut down. And then U.S. Open Cup got shut down. Um, and then we were all kind of sitting around kind of, OK, well, what's next? And I, I knew we had this U19 project kind of just waiting in the wings. So just got started on it. And uh, yeah, all and, of a sudden uh, you had a lot of free time. <laughs> well, yeah we also had a lot of free time and we didn't really have a whole lot of direction on what, what we wanted to do with this u19 thing um and i had learned a lot about the club what was going on with the first team kind of what was you know what the what the club culture was about what the vibe was about what the brand was about um so i kind of took all of that information um and combined that with my own experience um uh and try to combine all that together, my experience playing with the Olympic development program, my experience playing seven V seven 
in in college spring season when I was at Mercer. Um, you know, all of these things together. And I'm like, what would I have wanted as a player to kind of help bridge that gap between youth soccer and whether it's college or pro or professionally amateur soccer, what would that look like? And um, I just started jotting down notes and kind of came up with, you know, what the, what the concept of the futures would be. And at that point we didn't even really have a name for it, but um, we didn't want to call it like the U19 program. Um, it wasn't yeah, on brand, it wasn't yeah. on brand. So it came up with the futures and um, you know, kind of kind of here we are and that the the whole goal of the futures is to really bridge the gap between youth soccer and adult soccer um and then trying to kind of solve for a few different problems along the way you know there's major point pain points in u.s soccer you know the opportunity that exists for players at eight 20 years old is really fragmented um for youth clubs like U19 isn't it isn't a priority for them um it's kind of the twilight of their programming um most youth clubs they kind of promote at least the, the elite quote unquote youth clubs they promote you know getting players into college right so for for many players you know if, if that's not part of their roadmap that's it that it falls off and when those players fall off the competition that's where the money goes off. Oh, the, oh, yeah, oh yeah, it's not about the money. You're right. It's about the competition. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's so many fewer teams at U19 than there is at U16 or U15. Um, and that's that's because, you know, players start to lose interest when they see that there's not another competitive level for them to aspire to. So that was one of the, you know, the the pain points that we wanted to try to fill there. The other was expense. Um, so if you are playing on an elite team, um, I think the average, so we did a market analysis when we started going through, uh, you know, planning out the, uh, the futures concept and the average for, uh, a youth team in the twin cities was somewhere in the neighborhood of $4,000 for a player to play. Wow. Um, just at the youth level. And in, what, it could what be, a steal. and that's the average. <laughs> it was, it was as high as 12,000, 10 to $12,000 for a player to play what was a development academy or like an ECNL or, you know, one of those type types of teams. Um, so that can really price out a lot of players. So that was another one of the, uh, uh, the major pain points that we wanted to address with this. The third one was, was time and travel. Um, so a lot of these competitive teams um, at the elite level, they involve national level travel. And when you've got players that are, you know, 17, 18, 19, and 20, a lot of them are in, in the phase of their life where they're shifting their priorities, where a lot of them have to start to work um, to kind of support themselves. Some of them, um, many of them, most of them ha have social lives, um, you know, girlfriends, you know, all of these competing priorities that it soccer kind of falls down a little bit. And mm -hmm. that's kind of unfortunate. So how do we kind of solve for that? Um, and then the fourth one is the player pathway. So having that um, competitive level for players aspire to. Many of these players have started playing when they were seven years old and all of a sudden they get to 17 or 18. They've done this. It's over. They've done yeah. this for 10 years of their life and now all of a sudden it's just, it's over. 
And I experienced that as a player when um, I came back from my freshman year at Mercer. I didn't have a team to go play to because our team, our school ended so late in the year. Um, it was, and so I'm like, I don't, I don't really know where I'm supposed to go. I, I, I don't want to go play in some bullshit U19 league because I'm playing at a division one level. I need to be playing somewhere else, but I also want to come home. I don't want to be stuck in Georgia the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have anything like that. So that was another driving factor for kind of building this out is what, what would have helped me and, and me along the way um, as a player, whether it's coming back for college or, or somewhere else to kind of continue my development. And then um, Minneapolis city, we've got a we've got a senior team and now we've just moved a senior team into usl2 so we now we have a legit path into to professional soccer for some of these players yeah um so you know we're solving we're solving for that pain point now as well so these players can come in um whether they're playing college or whether they're just they're not playing anywhere at all um collegiately or scholastically they, they can come into Minneapolis city and regain some traction and try to find their way through, um, you know, the player pathway into a senior team. And then, you know, we will celebrate whatever path they can take um, out of our club from there. You know, we've had several players, whether it goes into MLS or NISA, um, you know, we will help celebrate that. And then hopefully as a club, we can continue to, we can continue to rise as well. So so before we take a, a deep dive, and it may seem like we already started the deep dive, I promise there's much more. Um, I put together some highlights that I I wanted to note from from year one of the features to kind of kick off our discussion about the actual program and, and what your take is. So um, multiple players left the program to play college soccer, whether they already had a scholarship or an opportunity before the futures program. Um, but a, a handful did not and the futures program allowed them to get that exposure. Um, the all state team from Minnesota this year, uh, was littered with futures players that returned back to high school from our program. Um, I think there were, uh, uh you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, three Mr. Soccer finalists. Um, Division 2A, uh, Carter Hermanson from Holy Angels was uh, voted Mr. With the, with the program. Um, from a competitive 11-a-side friendly perspective, played against Minnesota United, Shattuck St. Mary's, went up to St. Cloud and played a Division II team in St. Cloud State, played at Dakota County Technical College, um, which is a, a, a relatively unknown and I think at times very strong community college in the area. He played MC1, MC2, FC Minneapolis uh, of the of the UPSL, and you went six and one, which is incredible. Really, with that only loss being the first team in the program, which w- is a tough game. Um, not <laughs> full full NPSL sides didn't didn't have a chance to beat uh, a, a really a chance to beat that team. So, um, and then also, I think the last point that I, I want to mention here before I ask you if I missed anything was. I counted 12 players that were elevated from the program at one point into the UPSL roster with seven of those players receiving uh, full-time minutes at, at some length in, in league play and playoff matches for the UPSL team. Did, did I miss anything in there? I'll take your word for it on the 12 players. I thought it was around 10, but um, I've, I've just, I'm ballpark guessing. Um, yeah. In terms of our, you know, non-league schedule exhibition schedule um i think we actually went seven and one 
I, I might have missed one in there. I, yeah. I, I missed somebody. Well, six and one, seven and one. Either way, you added another victory, which kind of just further cements my point here is that when you talk about success of a first time program and you look at what we did at the senior level, we did not have that success in, in our, in the soccer slice of the soccer pie slice of the, of the competitive landscape that we entered in, whether it was the PLA, whether it was um, the MPSL um, UPSL this year aside, you know, that, that was a success. Um, But, but the futures program, you know, honestly, like on paper, it, it, it was a success. And I really wanted to mention those points because I think it kind of brings holistically together, you know, players went to college because of this players that went back to high school were, were elevated to a point where they were honored as the best in class. You, you put together outside of the 77 inner squad league, you put together 11 aside teams and they went out and beat people. And, and the players that were, that were ultimately proven within the program were elevated into other um, other opportunities within the club, which is, uh, which is the point, right. Is to, is to further that development at a certain extent for the players that, that it warrants. So I wanted to mention those things because those are things you put on the, on a resume, right? It, yeah. And it, it went much better than I even anticipated. Um, my, my whole goal for the first year was let's do every, let's lay the foundation properly so we can, we can make this easier on ourselves in year two and year, year three. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think that we were going to be going out and, you know, getting results against Minnesota United or getting results against our second team. Um, but mm-hmm. some of those things needed to happen for, for people to take notice um, to, for some of these players. And I, I think everybody, everybody in our program has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, and and th- I I like that edge. So you know these some of these players are the 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 players who may have been passed over for development academy or you know which is now defunct or MLS next type teams um, or they just were never given the opportunity because they didn't have the financial means necessary to do so. Um, some of these players um, aren't playing collegiately, and I that's one of the things that I yeah. like to celebrate the most is that you don't need to go play collegiate soccer if you don't want to, or you don't need to go play NCAA collegiate soccer. You can go play, you can, you can go to the university of Minnesota, or you can go to any one of these, you know, many schools around the twin cities that fit your environment and fit, fit your academic uh, uh, desires. But, a club like Minneapolis city can be there for you and you can continue to play the game that you love at a very, very high level. And we've got several players. I think we had 34 players um, that were post high school players that had come through the the futures. Um, And then I think 21 of them were playing like NCAA or NAIA soccer this year. So that leaves what 13 of them that, aren't necessarily tied to a collegiate program, but they are extremely high level soccer players. And it's what, for, for whatever reason, college is just college soccer just doesn't fit for them, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. So just I, college I, doesn't. Yeah. Or college doesn't. There's a few players that on our, on our, in our group that they just don't, 
they don't have any they don't have any desire to go to college or they don't know what they want to do yet, which is completely fine. We've got some players where um, English is a is a second or third language for them. So they haven't necessarily been able to uh, get a lot of traction in you know the U.S. academic system. Um, so they work. And then some of them um, we've got we've got a few players from the Karen community um, uh, that, uh, you know, they've they're culturally they had they take care of their own they take care of their own families and that's that's part of that's part of their responsibility and it doesn't necessarily mean going on and and playing uh or uh, collegiate soccer they've got other mm -hmm. priorities but a program like uh minneapolis city and then um the arm of minneapolis city or under the umbrella of minneapolis city having the futures allows them you know to bridge that gap between youth soccer and adult soccer so th that's one of the things i'm most proud of about this it's not necessarily pushing kids into college we've got youth programs that help doing that but um you know we're we're really truly bridging the gap between um our youth soccer community and our adult soccer options whether that be you know amateur uh professional or i guess what what do they call us now pre-professional yeah, yeah whatever they call us so let's play things back to the beginning again um, after kind of what we talked about. And, and you, you kind of quasi answered my next question on day one, a year ago, what would you have said you needed to see to call for the first year successful? I think we've talked a little bit about we, how did we get there? I think the answer is yes, to a certain extent, but for, for you, what, what, what was success before we started? Wow. That's a good question. Um, I think at one point I had written down some success criteria. Um, KPIs. Just, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you do that when you do your business planning and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, I don't even re remember what they were because everything just kind of became a blur. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but I, I think for for me, one of the first things that I thought was going to make this success was that I needed to be able to prove it within our own club, that this was, that this was real and that there were really, really good players in Minnesota at a young level um, that deserve the opportunity to be considered for our other Minneapolis city teams. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's other co even other coaches within the club that they didn't, they didn't necessarily believe that that was really a capability or a possibility on day one. And then as we got more and more into it and, you know, you know, we, we show what we were doing with the, this, the seven V seven futures league. Um, and then where we really started to prove ourselves was versus some of those, those uh, in those exhibition games versus external competition. So we went and we played a couple different, we played that first MLS next uh, team in Shattuck and it was a younger team, but that U 17 team, we were playing it with roughly U 19 players. They were really good. They were really and, good. Yeah. And I think they actually made one hell of a run in the national tournament. Um, and we went down there and I think we beat them two to zero and was pretty, you know, I'm not going to say comfortable, but it was, it was, I, I, we were going to win that game. Um, and they were like, okay, this is, this is real. And then we went yeah. and played, uh, another collegiate team in Dakota County tech. And when we scheduled that, I, did, I had no idea what, what our level was going to be. Um, and you know, no disrespect to, 
Dakota County Technical College, but um, you know, uh, our level was just much much higher. Um, Those early games so, were they were they the ones that kind of got you thinking like mm, maybe we got something here? Yeah, and that, it got it got us thinking there. And then we had so many you know things going on within the club and and so many players at the first team and second team and then the futures level that it was really hard for players to kind of move around. And then as the season kind of went on, some of the players started to the futures players were like, well, why am I not getting an opportunity at the next level? And they kind of continued the chip on the shoulder type of thing. And then we went into the game against our Minneapolis city two team. And, um, you know, those players were ready to play. They were ready to make a statement. And then we came out and we, we beat our second team three to two. And <laughs> that that's, that's really what elevated a few of our players into that Minneapolis city two team and help them on their run to the national quarterfinals. So um, like Nathan Lickstraits, um, uh, Jacek Nikowski, like those guys were critical pieces to that, that run. And there's a few other that I'm not mentioning, but um, yeah, it really took, it really took that game um, for me to kind of meet that success criteria of, you know, are we proving it within our own club that this is a real, you know, positive thing that's got legs for, for mm -hmm. the future? No what did you learn in the first year that maybe has given you something to think about now that the time has come to fire up year two? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the things that we're thinking about now is how do we, how do we continue to make this sustainable and um, repeatable for the, um, last, last year was a weird year because, you know, we had COVID. We had a lot of players that just stuck around because they were in a gap year um, rather than going yeah. to play in college. And then the collegiate season was in the spring. Um, so that kind of threw a wrench into things as well. Um, so the, the big the big thing for me looking at this next year is, you know, how it's a weird it's a weird age group. Um, and that might be the reason why nobody's really tried to bridge the gap like this before between youth soccer and adult soccer, because it's, it's a really strange age group. If you've got players who are still in high school, and then you've got players who are as old as sophomores in college, if they're playing collegiately. Sure. Um, how do you, how do you integrate all of those players? Um, Cause many of the players that we had in the futures last year, um, have gone off and they're spreading their wings and they're playing collegiately out of town, but they want to come back again. Yeah. Um, so how do we reintegrate them into, um, into our program and, you know, continue making the investment in those players that, that we started with in year one. So hard to keep a consistent group of guys when more can, when now that COVID is pretty much, at least we've got it kind of figured out at the collegiate level and the high school level, like they're playing more consistently. They're able to be called away to their, their college or high school commitments easier. Like, what do you, how do you, you know, how do you, how, like you said, how do you work those guys back into the fold when college is over? Yeah. And so one of the, one of the approaches we're taking with the futures in 2022 is a, it's a split season concept. So I, I think what I'm going to do is pause you there. because We're going to get into that. Okay. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give away the gold just yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we talked about like between all star like the all state players, 
between Mr. Soccer nominees. There's just a ton of future kids that have been celebrated this fall on that local high school stage. Yeah, do you feel like yeah. do you feel like the futures gave them the tools to really push for those honors? Or were these kids already that good? They just happened to show interest in the futures and we scooped them up. It's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing, right? Like, are they good? You know, are they, is he Mr. Soccer thanks to his futures experience or what did he make the futures because of the Mr. Soccer potential? Um, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I'm we're not going to sit here and, you know, say these kids are only getting these accolades because they played with the futures. No, they had to be good enough to get into the futures uh in the first place so they have the tools um one of the you know one of the pieces for the for the for the futures is we're not going to come out and say we're doing anything remarkable from a coaching perspective that isn't happening throughout other parts of the minnesota you know soccer landscape um you know there's great coaches all over all over the cities but what I wanted to do here is create an environment, basically a pressure cooker type environment that is going to help these players um, get to the next level because they're going to be forced. They're going to be forced to make decisions at a speed and execute those soccer actions, if you will, at a speed that they have never had to, you know, did to do in the past in their, yeah. in their club environment. So especially when we take all of these best players together and we put them in this very hyper competitive type um, training environment and you know, it's, it's intense and we demand that level of intensity. Um, but then when we also put them into a, a, a seven V seven type league and that seven V seven environment is going to maximize the number of touches for players but it's also going to force them to play in small spaces as well, which is going to speed up their decision-making and it's going to speed up the execution of those player actions. So all of those things combined, so they have the tools and then we're just putting them into an environment that's going to maybe elevate them to a, a slightly higher level. Yeah. I, I think the futures helps out. Um, but yeah, they obviously had the tools beforehand. Um, yeah. So I um so to kind of piggyback off of the other kind of half of I shouldn't say half maybe the other the other slice of the players we talked about players who obviously don't go either went back to high school you just mentioned that we we have the the kids that you mentioned that didn't necessarily that don't go to school for whatever reason I've recently talked to college coaches um, of programs that have had year one we'll call them alumni on their teams to come in as, as freshmen. And, and they've straight away said that our program was a benefit to their guys because when they came in right away into that environment, that was really the next step in their soccer journey. They had a level of maturity and, and almost like a, uh, a breath of fresh air that it, it's not going to be as, as difficult or as scary as they might seem um, for it, for it to be. Um, talk a little bit about how, how like why you why the environment kind of helped foster that and and how important getting players ready for the next level is to the futures program outside of maybe just kicking a ball and and, and creating maybe that 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 uh that confidence for their next step yeah i i think it i think that's a big piece is is the confidence um so you know just reflecting back and you know my time before I went and played at a, at a college level, the, the biggest difference 
anytime you elevate yourself to another level, the biggest difference is always the speed of the game. So yeah, you've got a great first touch, but can you, can you play that first touch under extreme pressure? Um, and then you, can you take that first touch into space um, in one touch and then, you know, basically make that escape pass. So your team has the ability to maintain possession. Um, can you do that in a hyper competitive pressure cooker, fast environment? Um, so th these players coming into this program, they're being exposed to that. And it's going to, you know, depending on the college program they might be going to, it's going to replicate that type of environment yeah. that, that, that they're not going to get playing, you know, at their, their, their regular or their typical youth club, even, even the elite U19 programs that I've seen in the state, you're, you're not going to get that level um, of, of intensity. And part of the reason it's intense is because we have that player pathway and players are trying to get potentially um, an opportunity to play with one of our senior teams. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go play with a U19, you know, youth environment, whether they're getting ready for the state cup or going to play in the regionals or something like that, the, the training sessions just, they're just naturally are not as intense. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a confidence piece, John, I, I think with this age group that can be good and it can be bad. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes when you're, you know, you're being, you're being, um, courted by some of these collegiate programs and you're coming out of your senior year of high school or, um, or your freshman year of college and, you know, you think you're the shit, um, but, <laughs> but but you're not there's there's always somebody bigger faster stronger number one and then there's also the players that are just more hyper technical so those players that we have on our senior team um, and then the way that uh, our senior team has been playing for the last couple of years the very possession oriented style um, players being exposed to that is is only going to help them at the next level we uh, there there's one there's one specific story that I remember um, uh, Zach Susi. So he's a kid in the futures um, was Mr. Soccer in 2020. Um, but he got brought into our senior training. Um, and then somebody had asked him, so what was your, you know, what was your experience like? And he's like, I have, I have never played in an environment that is that fast. And that's, that's the difference. So mm -hmm. we're exposing him to that a hyper competitive, very mm -hmm. pressure cooker environment that is super fast. Um, and that's only going to help prepare them for what they're going to see in what their collegiate, you know, experience might look like. The, the one piece that I, I'd also layer onto that is, is the, is the professional type environment and the accountability that you guys quickly instill on these younger players that are coming from youth traditional youth soccer, where, your mom is going to tell you like, oh, hey, you got practice tonight, honey. Make sure you have your stuff ready. That that goes out the window. And and I think that what you guys did really well was make these players accountable. Like we don't care who you are or where you came from. These are our rules. And if you don't follow them, there's no chance for you. Um, you know, th it, there, I shouldn't say there's no chance for you, but there's there's less of a chance that you're going to continue to elevate in our system if you're not doing what you need to do. And I think that piece is often overlooked that we, we, we hold these 
high school, soon to be college graduates at a, at a, at an accountability level that they, they don't get in, until they get to a college program or a, a higher level semi-professional opportunity. Yeah. And you, you can be, and you know this, John, you've seen enough players come through Minneapolis city and then even your time in Germany, there's, there's really, really good players um, that have all of the tools that it takes to play at a super high level, but they, they might not have a professional approach mm-hmm. to, to what they're doing. And if you don't have that professional approach, you're not going to make it to the level that you think you're going to make it to. So, you know, one of the interesting things we've done with the futures is the, the mentor coach program. So taking in, taking in players from the senior teams um, and having them integrated into the futures um, and having that exposure to those senior players. And so these young players can see, you know, how, you know, like a, uh, like a Jonah Garcia approaches his mm-hmm. training day. Um, or even when we brought David before he went and played with the Des Moines menace and see how he approaches, um, training and how he, how he makes sure, um, he's preparing his body before training and after training and the level of intensity he has in every single activity, uh, having those um, senior level players kind of come in and serve as a mentor. Um, you know, those, those young players end up, you know, picking that stuff up, whether it's by osmosis or, or because they're actually focusing on it. Um, they're going to pick those things up. Um, mm-hmm. And the players that will implement that same um, mentality are the players that are going to be able to get to that next level, whether that's, you know, a senior team level at Minneapolis city or, you know, somewhere else. Um, but if they don't have that, they're, they're going to fall out of the program. It's, it's that's just the reality of it. So I think the term you're looking for, for the player who has all the tools, but doesn't really care is an asshole. So I think that's what you're, what you're, <laughs> what, what, we, what would I like to call him? An asshole? Yeah, and then we'd have a no <laughs> asshole policy. So you think you might think you're oh. great, but if but if you don't put the work in, you're an asshole. Get out of here. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a difference between being a bastard and being an asshole. There is. So, so we we want bastards on the field, but we don't want assholes in our club. And that's one of the first things that we said at the first trial session of the first training session last year. The futures is, all right, listen, this isn't a youth club. We're not a youth club. We don't care. We don't care what your parents think. Um, (laughs) And we have a no asshole policy, which is the exact same thing that is, you know, said at the senior team level by Matt and his staff. Um, So we're just, we're just preparing them. We're a filter um, into that program. So, you know, we we can be a funnel into that program or we can be a filter out of Minneapolis city as well. That's a good point. That's great. Hey, so, what are you hearing around town from high school coaches? Like after year one, kids have gone back, they've played their fall season. Um, you're out there. You said you've been, you've been busy, you've been out there recruiting, you've been out there handing out, handing out info uh, to kids. But like, you also are making those connections at the coach to coach level, right? Are these coaches happy with their kids development? Are there coaches that maybe didn't have a kid try out last year who are now pushing their guys to into the futures program, hopefully? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, it's, it's, it's different depending on, you know, what their thought on the futures was from the start. So when we started just, just kind of what marketing the idea of the futures, we had, 
we had a big call with all of the Minnesota soccer influencers telling them what, what we were doing, trying to get their feedback. Um, but there were, there were some coaches who were absolutely all in on it. And then there were some coaches that were like, you know, this is just another, you know, bullshit soccer venture that is going to come and go. And I, I get that. I, you see them happen all the time. So, you yeah. know, I, I think it took a year um, and then getting some of the results that we did and getting some of the quality players in that we did. And then um, having some of our players actually get chances on the senior teams for some of those coaches to number one, see that, but then see the results when some of these kids came back in their environment and they may be dominating. Um, mm -hmm. and like, it's just, they're just kind of playing at a, at a different level. So um, the, the tone is definitely different um, recruiting in for the 2022 season than it was for the 2021 um, coaches and players are just way more receptive. Um, uh, our assistant coaches for the future. So Brendan Doyle and Eli Baker, these guys have been absolute rock stars this year. Um, they are going out to um, high school soccer games almost every day of the week for the entire wow. fall. I was coaching high school, so I was obviously integrated into the environment um, and, and there, but these guys were going out on their own. And that's something that I don't think any other program academy like program, um, you know, not to pick on the, on the club that's, that's, that trains in Blaine, but I can almost guarantee that their coaching staff isn't, you know, they haven't evaluated over a hundred high school soccer games. Like, no, they're, know. they're, they've got the, they'll come to us approach. Yes. That's sure. Yep. And you know, that's fair. They, people you know, do, they, they are what they are, but you know, yep. our staff has been hitting the ground um, and, and, and really working the ground game and, and, you know, approaching these coaches, you know, after their games, uh, you know, getting permission to talk to some of their players. Um, and the tone is much different in 2022 than in 2021, where in 2021, it was like, I don't really know who the hell you are or, you know, what you're talking about here. I really don't even know what Minneapolis city is um, to in 2022. I would go up to a player after a game and be like, Hey, how you doing? My name is Jeremiah. I, I help run a program called the futures uh, at Minneapolis city. And they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what that's about. And I'm like, nice. Oh, okay. Well, this conversation is going to go way easier than way better. <laughs> the, the ones did last year. So um, I think there's a, there's a few players that we're going to get into the, the pool group in 2022 that we wanted last year, but you know, much like, you know, the group that, kind of waits for the second version of the iPhone. Um, you know, they kind of waited and, you know, checked out what we were doing, which, which is completely fair. So, you know, I think we're going to have a really, really strong group because we had just so many coaches and players that were, you know, on a wait and see type of approach to what we were doing with the futures at Minneapolis city. So outside of the recruiting aspect, you just mentioned of the Eli and Brendan are doing what, what have you seen, you know, each of them bring to the table, in in year one that makes them them special and and add value that wanted you to bring them back in year two so they they're they're very different um in in their approach um as are you know the mentor coaches that kind of came through the system as well including yourself john 
Um, everybody. I'm still, has I'm still a little salty. I wasn't even in the voting for mentor coach of the year. I, mean, <laughs> I was there for enough of time where I added some value. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you credit. You were absolutely the most prepared mentor coach. Right. As um, I, as I would expect. And you, you had some rock star players on the squad you were coaching. Um, but that just didn't turn into results for that team. And they ultimately, uh, well, they, got te- relegated. they got relegated. Technically, we, we won their only games and, and drew after we got our, our shit kicked in in the first game. Until I handed it off to Jonah, I gave him a Ferrari that was all revved up and then he ran it into the last place. I, I got a problem with that. That's true. I guess I guess Jonah did get Poor Jonah Jonah. Garcia. He did get mentor coach of the year. Yeah. Um, even for a team that did get relegated out of the futures league. Like I said, I I <laughs> I, I had a tuned up Ferrari ready for him to drive off the lot and he and he ran it into a light pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to go back and answer your question regarding uh you know, Brendan and Eli, they're very, very different approaches. Um Brendan is extremely extremely smart um tactically and in player of uh identification um like the guy's just got he's just got a crazy brain and he's got all kinds of ideas um just kind of running through his head and and he'll even admit sometimes that you know you know his growth as a coach is going to be simplifying some of the complex ideas um, and simplifying that message that can be digested, you know, by a player, especially at this age. Um, but super smart. I have a ton of respect for his opinion on on players, um, as well as um, you know whether that's uh, scouting a game, scouting an opponent beforehand, or you know, you know, his evaluation of a game, you know, going into halftime adjustments. I think he's, I think he's pretty incredible there, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, Eli is, Eli is just, he's a super cool customer. So he, his delivery of the message is probably the best out of all, all three of us. Um, you know, he can kind of take that, take that message, uh, whether it's complex or simple and turn it into a coaching point that is going to resonate, um, with the players. So I think, I think that's kind of his strong suit. So we've got kind of the, the, the yin and the yang a little bit uh, from the from the coaching staff, and then I just I just do my best to not get in the way. Um, <laughs> so, JJ. So one of the things that we know from past member votes and planning that is happening kind of behind the scenes is that Minneapolis City, besides the USL two news, like also potentially moving you know, to, to figuring out how to add a women's team in the future, right? Um, do you see your futures model expanding along with that to capture and hone some of the, the high-level talent that we have here in the state? Like, we talked to Tori, and she could not, could, did not have enough praise for, for the level of, of play that our, our high, school, high school girls and women play at. Um, the futures could only could only benefit from expanding into the, into that kind of area in the next two to three years, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I had mentioned when you guys had talked about my background, it's, so I, I spent four, four years coaching um, at, at Lakeville North. And during that time, 
with those girls, I had multiple all Americans. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a Gatorade player of the year. I had, um, I think we had four all Americans. We had, we had two Miss Soccer finalists. We had one Miss Soccer winner. And these girls, they're, they're badasses. And (laughs) part of the reason that I took, I took that girl's job is because I wanted, I wanted, uh, I wanted my daughter to kind of see that, you know, you, you can be a badass and you can still be a girl at the same time. You know, it's, and I, I learned so much through that whole process and I have uh, a, a, a ton of respect for um, the girls that, you know, that are playing at a, at a high level. So I, I think the futures. So if we go back to, you know, kind of creating that concept for the futures, it, it was laid out in a phased type of approach. And so there was five different phases of it. And I think what we implemented in year one was kind of, you know, version 1.5 of that roadmap, you know, as we got, you know, as we got towards the end of those phases. So like phase five, five, it did include, you know, the incorporation of a women's side. I don't know how, you know, we would go about implementing it, um, at Minneapolis city, I think a lot of that's going to be driven, you know, by what happens with the women's program, you know, or do we take a top down approach like we did with, uh, you know, did with the men, um, and, and, you know, the men was kind of driven out of, you know, what was Stegman soccer club. And, you know, that's kind of how the, the, the club, you know, kind of found its roots, uh, you know, how are we going to do it with the women's side? I think that's to be determined. Um, do we do the same thing where we start with a, a senior side or do we want to build it up, you know, from the futures level? I think, like I said, that's to be determined. In, in addition to that, you know, uh, selfishly, there's a there's a version of the futures that includes more of a youth element as well, you know, going down to U12. And it has nothing to do with, you know, trying to integrate and become part of your traditional youth soccer environment, um, you know, where you've got your MYSA or your TCSL and all of those different things going on, it would completely live outside of that and be a, a different supplemental option, just mm-hmm. like we have with, you know, the, the 17, 18, 19 and 20 year old players. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I want to see it go. I think it can include women and I think it can uh, include more younger boys and girls as well. Um, if we can continue to lay a foundation for this thing, that's, that's going to be repeatable for the long term. So you've been, you've been out recruiting as, as, as we talked about for, for year two, um, you know, Eli and Brennan have been doing their thing, going to games every day can, um, you know, both on the field and off the field through social channels. Can, can you, uh, can you confirm or deny a rumor that it's, it, it, is it true that you were suspended on Instagram for preying on high school kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's not completely true. Yes, we were suspended, but that <laughs> So we <laughs> So when we when we started the when we started the futures there's you know the whole marketing element to it and we just started with a Twitter account um, just to kind of speak to a different audience. But here's the thing with this age group is they don't live on Twitter. They live on Instagram. So going into 2022, we needed to add a different 
element to that. So we added an Instagram account, but it just so happens that, you know, us actually becoming active on Instagram coincided with a lot of our recruiting efforts. And Instagram is an incredible tool to be able to just, you know, you know, let's let some of these players in this age group know that, hey, we're here. And if you want more information, um, you know, reach out to us. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think Instagram has an algorithm that says if you make X number of uh, direct messages in or follow a certain number of people in a given day that they're going to shut you down <laughs> for 40 what? hours. Like they think you, they thought you were a bot. Yeah, and then you gotta yeah, you gotta go back to them and be like, no, we're real people, and this is legit thing. We're not. We're just incredibly hyperactive. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just so I, hyperactive I, in the high school age range. <laughs> I, think, I think we've had our Instagram account up for like a month, and we've got already got several hundred followers. And yeah, Instagram's a great tool, and I'm not a big Insta guy, but it's it's working really well for you know connecting with this particular age group. All right, so bringing it back down to the serious now. Um, when the TikTok <laughs> launch, that's the serious question. Yeah. So you you talk at length about magical memories. What was your magical memory from year one? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I I should really say what my magical memory was. Um, the most notable one, I'm not even going to say, but. Um, just because I don't want to offend anybody on the north side of the cities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I would say seeing, um, seeing some of these players go on to do other things outside of the futures. That's, that's been kind of my magical memories, like as a coach in general. So, you know, you know, like I mentioned coaching the girls, you know, had, uh, had several girls go play division one and being able to go watch them play in a different environment. And then, you know, having a relationship with them, um, that that's a magic, magical memory, but for the futures, it, it, one memory sticks out and that's watching Jacek Nikowski get two goals in, um, the MC two playoff game. Um, I think it was an overtime game and just oh, the Granite some- city game. Yeah, it was the Granite City game. Granite City, great team. They were a really good team. They were arguably better than us on that day. Oh, for um, sure. But then having Yasek go out there and make the impact that he made and knowing that if just reflecting on how he came into Minneapolis City, he filled out a player interest form um, and then kind of reviewed that player interest form. And the one thing that stuck out to me on that player interest form um, was that he was a state champion high school wrestler. I'm like, oh, this kid's interesting. He's playing <laughs> what a he's playing story. he's playing soccer at Oral Roberts and then dig in a little bit further on his background and find out, oh, he's the leading scorer in high school soccer history in the state of Wisconsin. All right, well, yeah, let's let's bring him in. Let's see how this goes. And then, you know, in a in a in a seven v seven type environment, which we initially saw him in, um, you know, he was a good player, but then once we got him onto an 11 v 11 field where he had a little bit more space, the kid is just absolutely dynamic. And then to watch them, watch him in that, uh, in that MC2 game, and then knowing that the Futures program helped elevate our second team into, you know, deep into the national tournament, that was, that was a magical memory for me. 
And I'll also note that that Yasek came to the Futures program after I was no longer a mentor coach, and he was on the team that I was coaching. So, again, Jonah, what are you doing, man? Um, <laughs> so I, I asked you to pause earlier because uh, I, I wanted to get to get here um, as we're kind of getting into the, the closing of our questions. Um, so year one's in the books. Uh, I'm just going to say total success. Um, it would not be Minneapolis City if we didn't look at ways to get better and grow. Here's your platform. Let's talk about year two. Like, what, what, what is, what are we changing? What are we, what are we adding? What are we taking away? You know, what are the new things? Here, here's your canvas. Go, go ahead and paint it for, for what year two is going to be. Yeah. So in year two, we're going to take kind of a split season uh, approach to. Uh, to the futures. And this is based off of some of, you know, our own internal reflection, um, some of the pain points that we had internally. Um, you know, we do a player survey and we get feedback from everybody. So through that whole process, you know, uh, we ended up landing on the idea of a split season for the futures. So that's what we're going to do in 2022. And what that means is we're going to have a winter season and then we're going to have a summer season. The winter season is going to look a lot like what the futures did in 2021, where it's going sure. to be large, large group pool training. Um, in addition to the seven V seven futures league, where we've got four different teams uh, where players are representing different Minneapolis neighborhoods. And then there's the, also the opportunity to play in mm. exhibition games against external competition. So that's going to go from basically January until spring break time, right around April. Um, and then at that time, we're going to do a, a secondary trial. So we've got the futures November trial where we're bringing in a large number of the players. But in the spring, we needed to have a mechanism to reintegrate some of these college players, whether they're returning back to the futures environment or, you know, they maybe they uh, they're newcomers to the futures and want to get kind of identified. So we needed a mechanism for them to do that. And so we're doing that around the spring break time in a, in a few different few different ways. And then after that, we're going to start the future summer season. And the future summer season, we're going to take a, a group of players, probably about 30 players from that winter season pool, as well as the college players, and roster them on a, a team that is going to participate in the UPSL. And so the UPSL is going to run from early May um, until into July, slightly into July. Um, and so we're going we're, we're, we're to have an actual competition where we're going to be playing for trophies. Oh, and that's so one of the things that the players wanted to do. Like this, is the bi- this is the big news, JJ, that the UPSL team will be the, I guess, the ultimate version of the of the futures going into 2022 this yeah, was a, there was some i think it's so, pretty, i think it's pretty big that's pretty big news for fans that like we will be competing in all three leagues confirmed and uh and the US, upsl team will be all about the future yeah so it's going to be about it's going to be about the futures and uh you know putting these players in it once again uh, an environment that's going to help them develop. So, you know, go, once again, going back and referencing when I was, I was playing in my youth, 
I think I was 14, 15 years old and I was playing on a, an MASL team. Um, and I, when I look back on that, that experience, it absolutely, you know, catapulted my development going forward, you know, taking myself out of a U16 type of environment and playing with actual, you know, full grown adults. Um, it, it made you play in a different way. So the same thing's going to happen with this, this group where we're going to have, you know, age 20 and under, but we're going to be participating in a national amateur league that is technically on the same level as USL2 and NPSL, but we kind of all know that it, it's probably the, on the third rung um, of, of that ladder. And uh, we're going to be participating with uh, in that league with, with the futures. What's, what's really cool is that the UPSL also allows us to continue with some of our mission yeah um where uh, we're we're able to continue to offer the programming at a at a low rate um we've given out a ridiculous number of scholarships i think 45 scholarships over in in 2021 and we're probably going to give out even more in 2022 but you know even beyond that um the the cost of participating in the upsl uh is allows allowing us to keep that programming cost as low as possible for the futures group and then the travel isn't extensive either they're they're uh, the conference that that we play in i think it's the upsl midwest west um, there are six teams at least last year there was six teams in the twin cities there's one team in rochester there's one team in st cloud and then there was one team in sioux falls so really sioux falls is the only road trip so it, it helps support our mission of keeping um, you know, our programming as local as possible. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's, uh, like I said, that's exciting news for, for fans of city that were hoping maybe we would be able to stick with, uh, all three of our teams or keep, keep all the teams, <laughs> but really had not received any promises to date. Yeah. And that's funny. Cause I, I kept hearing that once we were going to the UP, uh, the USL two, all of this speculation out there is around, oh, so what's, does that mean the futures are going to the UPSL? And at that point, honestly, we hadn't made that decision. We, were, we hadn't even no. talked about it. We didn't even talk about it. No, we are like, oh, that's kind of a good idea. We should look yeah. into that. <laughs> Thanks, Twitter. Yeah, but we needed to figure out, you know, the whole approach to the rest of the futures. And that's kind of where the split season idea I guess came into fruition was okay if we're going to do this UPSL thing, but we want to keep the the same type of format and programming that was successful uh, last year. How are we going to do that? So that winter season um, is going to be it's going to be an abbreviated version of what we did last year. Last year we had a a seven v seven futures league where I think we had 11, 11 matches in that league, uh, and then uh, the twenty twenty two version there's just going to be five so every game is going to matter uh, a lot more for that kind of abbreviated futures league season well i'm checking with the wife to make to see if i can if i can fully commit but i mean like i need to redeem myself to to win futures coach uh mentor coach of the year so i mean if <laughs> if the first team guys fall down i i think i might be able to step in and and fully commit to the, that five weeks and, and bring home some hardware. All right. Well, that'd be great. You're going to have to call for John off the bench. You're yep. going to have to submit your, uh, your coaching resume. 
I absolutely. I'll uh, type it up. It'll be it'll be on a paper that says that that, that all it says is uh, future uh, previous futures record, uh, two wins, one tie, one loss, and then I'll see what Jonah puts up for his resume. Yeah, well, both of you. Uh, so Jonah, Jonah has asked to come back and um, be a part of the futures again, which is which is awesome. Um, but it's, in terms of futures league teams, um, your squad did get relegated last year. So uh, gonna... who's the new neighborhood that's coming into the, the Minneapolis City Futures League? We don't know yet, but um, yeah, maybe you can submit your resume for that that squad's I... job. I absolutely will. And then this time I'll be able to pick, maybe hopefully pick some of the players I'll take instead of uh, inherit them. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, JJ, I mean, if, if you would have told me the, the outcome of not only the, you know, all the talking points I brought up in, in the beginning of our conversation, if you would have told me that the, the, the kids going to college were prepared to, the best ability that we could have prepared them to the high school kids went back and are getting honored for the, 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 you know, the, the style of play and the success that they had. Then you look at the futures program as a whole, and you look at not only the success that we had in, in exhibition matches against some very, uh, very good talent, but also just seeing how like the, the friendships that some of these guys made that were beyond what they they had coming in, I think 100%. This is exactly what the club needed to to bridge mm -hmm. that gap, and uh, and I'm really excited for what it's going to look like in year two. Yeah, me me too. There were so many things that we just couldn't do last year be, because of COVID and you mm -hmm. know the social distancing restrictions that we did have. Um, you know, on the first team, they call it the brotherhood, and you know they've got great relationships on the that first team that and that senior pool that they've developed over time. Um, unfortunately with, with our futures group last year, them all being together for the first year, you know, the social aspect of being part of a program like this, just, it didn't exist. So that might be one of the things I'm more excited about for 2022 is uh, seeing this group, being able to forge, forge some of those, um, you know, social relationships, you know, away from the field a little bit as well. Well, JJ, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, why don't you, why don't you uh, roll us on out of here by telling the people when futures tryouts are because they're coming up, and how they can register and learn more about the program. Yeah, absolutely. So we are starting our uh, futures November trialist camp on uh, November fifteenth. Uh, so we will have uh, two different trialist groups going. Uh, the first group is going to be November fifteenth and November twenty second. And then the second group is going to be uh, November 16th and November 23rd. And then we're going to bring the finalists together, uh, I believe, on November 29th. Um, and that's going to that's going to populate um, uh, the group we have for the, the futures winter season. That's the primary vehicle to get involved with the futures and to join to register. Uh, you can go to mplscitysc.com slash futures so go to the minneapolis city soccer club website and click on uh, the futures link and it's gonna kind of walk you through how to join the futures uh, what our mission is we talked a little bit about that today um, as well as uh, there's a link on there um, to uh, uh, apply for financial aid or scholarship funding 
uh, as well. So mplscitysc.com slash futures. All right. Thanks a ton. All right. Man. Awesome. Well, JJ, thank you so much, man. Uh, really looking forward to year two. And uh, I hope, um, like I said, I hope I can, uh, I can, I can win that award. I'm not making it all about myself now. <laughs> you I, are. I, I, I have motivation. <laughs> I don't have a lot of motivations in my life anymore. Uh, you know, now that the club is kind of running itself with all the great people like yourself, we brought in. So I got to find my little wins somewhere. So uh, but thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I'm, I'm so glad that this is, we got this off the ground in a weird COVID year and it's only, it's, it's to the moon from here. Absolutely. Th thanks for having me guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for everything that um, you do for the club here. Um, and, you know, outside the podcast, I know you guys do a lot um, and I uh, appreciate the show and love to listen to it. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks. Be careful on Instagram. All right. <laughs> will do take care <laughs> all right thanks man <laughs> bye. bye that is all for this week's show folks thank you as always to our show sponsor footballstadiumprints.com boy do i hate pants if you know me you know that i'm all shirts baby all the time just like my favorite cartoon character porky pig i wear the hell out of, out of shirts and only shirts which is why I'm not allowed to leave the house anymore. That's also why I'm pumped <laughs> for our, <laughs> our partnership with footballstadiumprints.com. They offer a massive selection of shirts featuring all of soccer's iconic pitches, including Edor Nelson Field, Home of the Crows, as well as Legends series with the likes of, your, of our very own Matt Elder and me, John Bizworm, Stegman's Soccer Club hero. I love looking down and seeing two Johns my face on a t-shirt and good old little John peeking out from under it. God damn it. We got to stop writing these for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Head on over to footballstadiumprints.com and use the code crows 10 to save 10% off, off on all your new shirts. I love shirts and only shirts. They, they ship from the United States. So you don't have to worry about any of those outrageous international shipping fees and they arrive lickety split once you purchase. Thanks again to footballstadiumprints.com for making the only piece of clothing a man like me needs. No pants, just shirts. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that loves to give back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. And look for us soon out in... Not necessarily parks, right? It's going to be cold soon, but playing, cold. In the, playing in the community centers around the city and, and really bringing ourselves into the community like we love to do, consider a tax-deductible donation to a truly city-focused organization. Minneapolis City memberships are now on sale at Scarf Designs, right? They're coming They're too. Yeah. And, and you know what follows Scarf Designs, Nate? Kit, Kit Designs. designs. For only $99 oh. for a full season pass, all the way down to $50 for out-of-town membership, you can support the club and get some really cool stuff in return. I mentioned it before. You get the exclusive membership scarf, a membership card that gets you 10% off at the club shop. You get to vote on said scarves, including selecting the membership board, which is awesome. Um, you also get to, you know, like we said, kit designs. You get to pick those. We're voting on scarves right now, people. Visit mplscitysc.com. Make, make sure your totally legitimate, valuable graphic design options are, are heard. <laughs> that totally came from a copywriter. <laughs>
Send us mail. It's easy to do. Hit us up on Twitter at the people's pitch complained uh, or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can complain to Dan. He loves when you complain to him about even the most stupid stuff um, or the important stuff. And you can hit up those complaints at SC on Twitter. That is all for this week's show, folks. I am John. That was Jeremiah Johnson. Goes by JJ. And, of course, that was Nate. Join us in two weeks as we continue to give you a peek behind the off-season curtain. And, of course, you got, you got hooked. <laughs>